We're going to be in the Gospel of Luke today, so uh, you can open your Bibles there and, and we'll pray. Our Heavenly Father, I ask now that uh, you would be uh, with us here in this room as we open your Word and read in it and uh, try to understand the message that is taught there. I pray that you would help us to learn to know you better through this uh, study of your word. I ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So as we, uh, as we look in the Bible this morning, our goal today is to learn something about the heart of God. We're going to learn something about what God really wants to see happening in the world today. And we're going to take a look at, at Jesus and some of the interactions he had with some people during his, uh, his uh, time of ministry on earth. And, uh, and, and these things are going to show us what it was that he really cared about. And we're going to see how some of the other people uh, who saw what Jesus was doing reacted in a way that showed that their hearts were quite different from God's. And through our interaction with the Scripture today, our hope is that our own hearts will get a little closer to God's heart. Sound good? Okay, let's, let's, let's do it. Uh, we're starting the Gospel of Luke, first section of chapter 15. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So the situation here uh, is that the tax collectors and sinners are coming to hear Jesus. Now that, that group, tax collectors and sinners, that's, uh, that's a group that's mentioned quite a few times in the Bible stories about Jesus. But I want to talk a little bit about who were these people, who were the tax collectors and sinners. Well, it's not very hard for us to understand that tax collectors had a pretty negative reputation. I think that's pretty much the way it is across all societies in the whole history of the world, that people have not really been uh, real happy with tax collectors. Um, nobody really likes to pay taxes, and a certain amount of that resentment rubs off on the people who collect the taxes. Uh, but tax collectors were especially reviled in first century Israel. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, that's because Israel, like the rest of the Mediterranean world uh, and parts of Europe at that time, were part of the Roman Empire. And so these taxes were being collected by the empire. And a large portion of those taxes that the tax collectors were bringing in went for two things. To pay the Roman soldiers who were occupying the country, and then the rest of it went back to Rome to build mansions and monuments and all kinds of nice things for the rich people back in Rome. But the thing that really made people leave tax collectors off the guest list for their birthday party was that they were local Jews. 
local people took jobs collecting taxes for the oppressors and made a pretty good living at it too. This was widely seen as a betrayal of their own people for personal gain. And on top of that, most of them abused their positions to cheat the taxpayers out of even more than they owed so they could line their own pockets. And then we have the second half of the group, the sinners. Now that's kind of a weird uh, thing in, in some sense, right? Because doesn't the Bible say that everyone is sinners? So why, why call this particular group uh, uh, sinners? And to get at what that means, you have to understand a bit about the Jewish culture in Israel in these days. See, the primary thing that defined the Jewish people was their religion. To be a Jew meant that you were part of the Jewish religion. Following the Ten Commandments and the the rest of the Law of Moses was just uh, an expected part of what it meant to be a part of their society. And almost everyone at least tried to follow the Torah and to please God by living according to the laws that were revealed to Moses on Mount Sinai. But I said almost everyone tried. There were some people who just rejected the whole system. They, uh, they didn't try to please God. They scoffed at the outdated rules of ancient Jewish history. And they lived in the way they chose, not following what was in some dusty old book. And good... Uh, respectable Jews referred to these people as sinners. And so we have this group of people made up of traitors to their own people for personal profit and irreligious people who disregard traditional morality. And now there's this new teacher on the scene, Jesus. And he's uh, shaking things up a bit in the Jewish religious order of this time. And these people are gathering around Jesus to hear him. And he is welcoming them. They invite him to their homes for banquets, and he accepts. And this has been happening for most of Jesus' ministry. Crowds have been coming out to hear him teach and see his miracles. And prominent in those crowds were the tax collectors and sinners. They were drawn to him. And one of the big reasons why they were attracted to Jesus seems to be that he treated them with love and acceptance. And this was not seen as a good thing by those who were the most conservative religious people. Remember I said the majority of the people were at least trying to live by the Torah, trying to please God. But even among that group, there were some people who tried a lot harder than the rest. These people were the most religious, the most committed to following God's ways, the most dedicated to living their lives as the chosen people of God. And these people were called Pharisees. And it was the Pharisees who were the ones who were the most upset by the fact that these tax collectors and sinners were on friendly terms with Jesus, the religious rabbi. And so Jesus tells them a story about some sheep, a shepherd, and the heart of God. The first part of the story is in the form of a rhetorical question. That's something that I I never noticed that part uh, until I was studying for this uh, message this week, and I was looking at this story. and, uh, And Jesus is not saying, 
Look, here's a story about a shepherd who really loves his sheep so much more than other shepherds would. Um, But that's not what he's saying. He's saying, this is the way any of you, any person would respond in this situation. If a sheep gets lost, of course you go out and find it. You go out and find that sheep. At this point in the story, Jesus is expecting everyone to be thinking, yes, of course, we go out and find the sheep, but what does that have to do with anything? What's your point, Jesus? Well, then the next part of the story gets a little bit unusual with the part about how happy the shepherd is when he finds the sheep. Um, Of course, you know, you would be relieved and you'd be happy that you found your sheep and brought him home, uh, made it back safely, but throwing a party and inviting all your friends and neighbors to celebrate that you found a lost sheep, that seems a bit excessive. Um, And that's the end of the story, really, that this shepherd throws this giant party. But then Jesus makes it clear why the shepherd is a bit over the top in his celebration and, 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 and what the point of the whole story is. Jesus says, I tell you. In modern English, what that means is, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something here. Let me tell you something. Uh, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. In other words, God rejoices when one lost sheep or one sinner comes to repentance. And in this story, Jesus is teaching us what God thinks of his people who are lost and far from him in the same way that a shepherd thinks of his poor lost sheep. He wants the sheep back. God goes out and pursues sinful people to bring them back to him. In fact, that was the entire reason that Jesus came. If we flip back to uh, Luke chapter 5, toward the beginning of Jesus' ministry, you'll see uh, a story there toward the uh, beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's eating at a feast at a tax collector's house, just like he is in this other story. And the Pharisees were questioning his judgment in doing something like that. And Jesus said to them this, he said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now there's two parts of what he's saying here. There's a denial and an affirmation. He says, I have not come to call the righteous. That's his denial. And then the affirmation is, I have come to call sinners to repentance. That is Jesus' purpose. He came to seek lost sinners and call them to repentance. And when a lost sheep is found, when a person who is lost in sin comes to repentance, God rejoices. And all of heaven celebrates the salvation of every person that responds to God's call and turns from their sins and puts their trust in Jesus. What kind of people is it that God is seeking? If he came to to seek people, what's the quality of people that God is looking for? Well, some people think that God is like the Marine Corps. They're looking for a few good men. But God is not only interested in seeking after the best and the brightest, the most holy, the most gracious, the most loving and kind people among us. 
God is seeking lost sheep. Tax collectors and sinners, people who have a lot of tough stuff in their past, people who have done a lot of bad things, sinful people who are lost in their sins and are far from God and rebelling against Him. That's who Jesus came to save because Jesus loves sinful people. And here's how Paul, one of the great early Christian leaders, he expressed this in a letter to his protege, Timothy. Here's what he said. He said, even though, uh, this is in 1 Timothy, uh, he says, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, and that's, that's Paul's understanding of what he was before Jesus found him. He was dead set against Jesus. He not only refused to believe in Jesus himself, but he also did everything in his power, including violent persecution, to stop other people from believing in Jesus. He says, even though I was, I was this person, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And he says, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. See, Paul knew that he was a sheep that was about as lost as a sheep could be. And yet, God searched him out, found him, and showed him mercy. And Paul believed that one reason that Jesus chose to save him was so that he could serve as an example to all of us of how God calls even the worst kind of sinners to come to repentance. God's grace and mercy are not only for nice people, they are for those who, like Paul, directly, violently oppose God. In another place in the Bible, the same author, Paul, puts it like this. He says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, so for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus did not die for good, righteous people. He died for sinners. And this verse tells us why. Because it's a demonstration of God's love for us. God loves sinful people, and he seeks them. And when they come to him, repenting of their sins, it fills God with joy. The heart of God is the heart of the shepherd seeking the lost sheep. When he finds it, he carries it back, calls his neighbors, and celebrates. But Jesus' story also tells us that God is less excited about the 99 who do not need to repent. 
And in the other passage we looked at a few minutes ago, he said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So who are these 99 who don't need to repent, who are healthy and don't need a doctor, and who are already righteous, so Jesus doesn't need to call them to repentance? Who are, who are these people? Well, it's kind of a trick question, because on, on the one hand, the Bible teaches that there is no one who is not a sinner, right? Who is not in need of repentance and mercy. The prophet Isaiah said like, like this, uh, he said, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. We are all lost sheep. There are no sheep that do not wander off and leave the shepherd. We are all tax collectors and sinners. That means that we are the very people that Jesus came to save. Because God seeks lost sheep and all of us are lost sheep. Anyone who thinks they've done too many bad things for God to love them is wrong because God loves sinful people. He seeks sinners and calls them to repentance. And when we repent of our sins, there is rejoicing in heaven. Now, of course, for many of us, there was a time in the past when the, the good shepherd found us. That was in that verse uh, from 1 Peter that we saw a few minutes ago. God has already saved many of us. We were uh, lost sheep, and we aren't lost anymore. For many of us today, we can look back at our salvation as an event that happened in our past, we are part of the forgiven people of God now. So when Isaiah says we, we are all like sheep, we've all gone astray, he doesn't mean that we are all currently in a lost condition. But the important thing for those of us who have been Christians for a while to realize about ourselves uh, is that we were all lost sheep, just as lost as anyone else. And the religious people in Jesus' day, they just didn't get that. You see, they, they had written off people who were far from God as unacceptable. They felt like those people had too much history to be called back to repentance. And they did not realize that they themselves were just as lost in their own way. In fact, they were really more lost. They were farther from God than the tax collectors and sinners because they couldn't see their own sin. They thought that they were doing just fine and had no need for anyone to save them. In their self-righteousness, they believed that they were healthy and didn't need a doctor. They thought they were the 99 who were not lost. And because they didn't think they needed a doctor or a shepherd to seek and save them, they did not get the cure and they were not found. One of the ways that we can see just how far they are from God is to see how differently they react when sinful people come to God. When the irreligious people were coming to Jesus, gathering around to hear his teaching, and some of them were hearing God's call, repenting of their sin, and being saved, God was rejoicing. But the religious people were grumbling. Why were they upset by this? Uh, in addition to this story that we have uh, been looking at here in Luke 15, we find two more very similar incidents 
in Luke chapters 13 and 14 that also show these guys responding very poorly to Jesus and his ministry. The first one, uh, Luke 13, it's a story that took place one day when Jesus was teaching in a local synagogue. And there happened to be there a woman who uh, was, had been sick for many years. And uh, Jesus noticed her, he called her forward, and he healed her of her sickness, a miraculous healing. And you would think that everyone there would be happy and, uh, and to see the, that God had intervened and had released this, this poor woman from all those years of being sick, and now she was finally well. However, some people, in their effort to please God, focus on following rules rather than having a heart of compassion for the needy and sympathy for the hurting. And so one of the leaders in that synagogue stood up and said publicly, uh, that uh, Jesus was breaking the rules about not doing work on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath. And now here's Jesus healing this person. This is bad. And it says, The Lord answered him, You hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath from what bound her? In essence, what Jesus is saying is that these religious rule keepers had no problem doing small amounts of necessary work, uh, even on the Sabbath, even if it, was, uh, if it was for the benefit of their animals. So how could they not see that Healing this woman, even if it could sort of been seen as doing work on the Sabbath, how could they not see that it was a good thing to do on the Sabbath? Do you care more about your ox and your donkey than you do about people? The very next chapter in Luke chapter 14, we have another very similar thing happen again. This time, instead of a synagogue, Jesus is having a meal at the home of a Pharisee. And again, it's the Sabbath day. And again, there's a person present who is physically suffering and in need of healing. And this time, Jesus asks the religious leaders their opinion before he does anything. He says, what do you think? Is it right for me to heal on the Sabbath? Is it a good thing to do? And they say nothing. They won't answer him. And so, Jesus heals the guy. Then Jesus asks the religious leaders, he takes uh, this opportunity to teach them something about about following the rules versus having compassion. He asks them this, it says, uh, he asks them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls in a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. The point is the same. Everyone agrees that if an ox falls in a well on the Sabbath, you don't say, well, I'll pull it out tomorrow because we can't do any work of pulling on the Sabbath. I've got to follow the rules. No, that's ridiculous. You pull the ox out. Um, and yet, somehow, these people could not see that it was a good thing that Jesus was able to free this man from his illness regardless of whether he had to do something that kind of looked like to them that he was breaking the rules about working on the Sabbath. 
And then in our main passage this morning that we've been looking at, uh, when they were upset because Jesus was accepting tax collectors and sinners as they gathered around to hear him, again, Jesus uses animals as an illustration. He says, you would search for a lost sheep and rejoice when you found it, wouldn't you? So putting all three of these things together, Jesus challenges these people to realize that they take care of their animals, they give them food and drink when they need it, they pull them out of a hole when they fall in, they search for them when they're lost, but they don't have the same concern for needy people. Whether those people need to be helped with their physical needs, like the two that were healed, or whether their needs are mainly spiritual, like the tax collectors and sinners, Jesus has compassion on them all, demonstrating his love for them. But the Pharisees do not have the same compassion and concern for the needy people around them. Could they see the needs? Yeah, they could see the needs. But because they did not love these people, they were not concerned for their needs. And there's the challenge for us. You see, Jesus has now ascended back to his Father in heaven, and he has given us the task of helping the needy around us. Especially, he's entrusted us with the message of salvation from sins. One of the last things that Jesus did before he left was to commission his followers to spread the gospel message of salvation all around the world. And there are spiritually needy people all around us. They are lost sheep who need to come back to the shepherd. And God's heart is to seek them out and call them to repentance. And the primary way he does that is through us, his servants, to whom he's given that task. And one of the ways that we can share the gospel with spiritually needy people around us is by inviting them to come here on Easter Sunday. We'll be going to be celebrating Jesus' resurrection and the salvation that's available to all who put their faith in him. Now, inviting somebody to church is not, obviously, the, the, all that we should be doing to share the gospel and, and tell people about Jesus, but it is one thing that we should be doing. Of course, it would be great for you to invite people uh, here any week, but Easter is really a prime opportunity for you to be uh, sharing the gospel with people and bringing them and inviting them to service here uh, for several reasons. Uh, many people still have Christian traditions in their past, even if they're not really following uh, Jesus now. And, and going to church on Easter, yeah, that seems like a good thing to do. So there's a, a much better uh, likelihood uh, that they will accept your invitation to come uh, here on Easter than on other Sundays. Um, also, Easter is a special Sunday when we're focused on celebrating the resurrection. So it's just a great Sunday uh, for people to be here. And we always try to remember, uh, you know, every week we remember how our guests will experience the things that we're doing as we put together the service. But on Easter, we'll be especially concerned with, with uh, welcoming visitors and making things understandable and appealing to people who aren't very often in church. So, invite a friend to come to church with you this Easter. And uh, we have these cards. You must have seen these as you came in on all the chairs. These cards are invitation cards. Um, that we have quite a few of them, uh, and so take as many as you uh, will use and uh, talk to one or two people 
take these cards, invite your neighbors, invite your coworkers to be here on Easter. Invite people who are far away from God. Invite people who are lost sheep whom God is seeking to call them to salvation. Now, why should we be sharing the gospel with people who are not following Jesus? Why should you invite them to Easter? Because God loves the people in our city. God loves them and cares about them. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And the more our own hearts are in sync with God's heart, the more we will love these people too. And the most loving thing that we can do for someone is to bring them to Jesus so that he can meet their spiritual needs. Let's pray.